Scott Show coming at you on a Friday morning. Joining us now, Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Kattengale, who is uh, in NOLA as his young one woke him up very early this morning. I think he has Mickey Mouse or Bluey or something on in the background. Is that a fair description? Uh, yeah, for some reason, um, he's decided 5 a.m. is the now new time to get up and say, I'm not tired anymore. And, um, yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. So I wasn't really ready for that. But you know what? Not to be outdone, McQueen, our mini schnauzer uh, puppy, decided around 4.45, 5 o'clock, he needed to go outside. So a couple barks, a couple tugs on the blanket. Next thing you know, I'm outside staring at the stars while he's, using the bathroom, and I come back inside, and, you know, five minutes later, Carver wakes up. So I've been up for a while, bro. I I feel it, it's it's one of those it's one of those times, Gus, where, like, you, you get woken up, feels like mm-hmm. the middle of the night. Really, it's just late mm-hmm. morning, but you, you're still exhausted. And so you start, you wake up, and there's this, there's, it's like, it's almost like the stages of grief. Like, there's the denial, then there's the, you start to <laughs> rationalize, like, like okay, um, I okay, yes, it happened, but I could get back to sleep. All the dogs got to do is this, and then maybe you know, Carl. I think he's going to sleep in a day, and then suddenly, you know, you just there's there's at some point you just accept like okay, this is this is today, and I'm not going back to sleep, and um, it's going to hurt most of the day. Yeah, I'm kind of looking. Uh, I mean. But it's seven nineteen, so I'm kind of wondering what it'd be like around seven nineteen this evening. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, in there, I man! Will say it kind of already, it kind of already. Um, what starts to plan what your evening is going to be like? Right, already I can tell you, dinner is going to be something I'm picking up. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. There's is there any is there any way you can get a nap in today? See, I would I would just be trying no, to figure that out. Like you're like, there's no way. There's no I, way. Well, I mean, I you know I. No, I say I can't even joke. I was going to say, well, I was supposed to have you on Wednesday, and uh, I guess I forgot. So if I have you on today, I guess our segment, I could take a nap. But no, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't. I, like I mean, that. I might be taking um, a nap at that time, bro. I mean, I'm just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I wish I could. The problem is nap time is my on-air time. So I'm 12 to 3, um, you know. So, yeah. And as you know, once you're off the air, second job starts. So I'm. There's no napping. ESPN1420.com, no doubt. Uh, Gus is our guest. So you, you mentioned, you know, your show in New Orleans, ESPN 100.3, the sports mm-hmm. hangover. Yeah, I saw a little poll y'all put up yesterday about uh, Alvin Kamara's kink. Yeah. I um, I've, I ordered two boxes online yesterday, supporting a good Did cause you? with the Children's yeah. Bureau of New Orleans. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll probably try one box and then just, if it's good, I'll, you know, the kids and I'll eat the other. And if not, then I'll just save the box and, you know, maybe sell it on eBay in 20 years. That's literally what my intern said he was going to do. Um, he was looking at profit margin and profit value. Uh, not to be outdone by people that were calling yesterday and uh, trying to do the same thing with their tickets. Because uh, there's still people a little, little um, bitter about having to be vaccinated going into that Dome on Monday, which we can talk about here in a little bit. Because we got a game. Uh, next couple of days, but you know what? I, I'll say this: 
I and I felt bad. It's not that I didn't want to get Alvin Kamara crunch, and it's not that I have it or I won't. But um, Carver is kind of into Ghostbusters right now, and we went to a store this week, and there it is on one of the cereal aisles, Ghostbusters cereal. Since you know, I don't know if you know, Scott, the new movie's coming out in November, so I'm assuming that's why you're seeing all this stuff. So yes, I am staring at a family Ghostbusters box on top of my fridge right now, and it hasn't been opened yet, so. That, I, I got to go through that box first before I get some Alvin Kamara crunch. <laughs> ESPN fourteen twenty. You, you mentioned the the, the tickets. Um, what what yeah. do you, what's your stance on the Saints' uh, decision to not offer a refund and then twenty four hours later say, okay, you can have a refund, but you give up your season tickets. It's not like they yeah. get delayed for a year because that yeah. that is something that. Um, you know, I know I know a number of folks who are not happy about yeah. who would rather not go into the dome this year. And you know, on one hand, it's cool that they're encouraging folks to get vaccinated, and they had the you know the little mm-hmm. Save by the Bell promo. But then on the other, I can understand someone that's like, "Listen, okay, so someone just got vaccinated, and then you're going to immediately let them in with a mask? They could still just have it and be right next to me." You know, like, I, you know, there's there are a lot of different angles you could look at it from as to why someone would be upset. I know there's no, like, perfect answer here, but what do you make of the Saints and their approach to the season ticket situation? I thought Amy just made a very good point um, the day they released the statement that came in, and that was that the Attorney General was threatening to hold funds for Saints projects um, if they didn't offer a refund. So let's just start there, right? I mean, the decision to offer the refund was a financial decision because they didn't want the state to withhold money on some of the projects and dome renovations that they're doing. Like you will see on Monday night, brand new, you know, field suites and improvements and things of that nature. So that's where that starts, right? From that aspect of it. Um, look, I had a caller, his name was Jeff, and he kind of echoed kind of what you were saying. He's like, look, I've been a season ticket holder, or my family has, for a long, long time. Um, he said he, he, he specifically started, like, in the 90s, you know, where they didn't have any, um, you know, fans and losing seasons. So, I, I mean, I get it. And he's like, look, I don't understand why I have, you know, it's like, he got – Pretty upset, you know. He's like, "So let me get this straight. You're going to cancel my account just because uh, of something that I don't agree with or feel like going about doing." And I said, "You know, I read the statement to him. Like that's that's their view, and in their view, and the way they're looking at it, Scott is, um, in their mind, what would be the difference? And again, I'm not." picking one side or the other defending. I'm just telling you what a, a spokesperson told me, that they've never always had a refund policy to begin with. So that's kind of what they've been in the past. Um, and in their mind, they look at it as, well, what would be the difference? To, to, there's a game. The game is going on. You bought the tickets. You know, a game is being played. A game is being put on. Nothing is stopping you from going. In other words, you know, the capacity is there, your seat's available. It would sort of be like how I was explained it. You're going to see a movie at the theater, 
The movie starts at 5.30. You bought the ticket. The movie is on at 5.30. It plays at 5.30. It's going at 5.30. So from that standpoint, that's why you saw in the statement they said, look, the city is allowing us full capacity. They're allowing us to put on a game. The game is going on. So in their mind, if the game is going on, that ticket can be used. If you're choosing to not use it, then you're choosing to not use it. It would be like you missed the game, and they wouldn't give you a refund. It's got, let's say, you didn't feel good one day or – you know, you'd rather stay home and not watch the game, would you go ask for a refund for that day? That's how they're viewing it. Um, I get the whole aspect of where fans are saying, hey, you know, we've been diehard fans. What if I just don't want to do it this year? And that's what they bring up in the sure. statement. Last year was different. It was COVID. You weren't allowed to go in. This year you are. So, Scott, I, I look at it like this, man. Um, if you want to keep your tickets and don't get your account canceled, there's always a secondary market. You, you just keep it, you pay, you try to sell it, and somebody will buy it. Um, I, I had a store, an instance yesterday alone where somebody was trying to get those tickets. The team actually called this individual and, you know, kept missing them, could not answer it in time. By the time he got back with the ticket rep, those tickets were gone. So per the statement, Scott, um, it was under 120. That could be 119. That could be 118. I don't know. But they're, you know, also in the statement, they say there's several thousands of people that are waiting to get those tickets. Supply so, and demand. I mean, that's really what it yeah. is. They don't, they don't, they don't care. They, 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 they care about the fans because the fans give them money. I mean, it's, it, I hate to and sound so callous. I mean, when, in terms of the that, ownership, accurate. in yeah. terms of, I'm not talking about players, you know, I know players and some players, not all have a special relationship with the fans that I know some teams do with the community in terms of the outreach work and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's, it's supply and demand and it's consumerism. And you're right. I think if, if you're not sure what to do and you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to go to games this year because of the pandemic and I'm, even though I've been vaccinated, I'm just for, for example, right? I know there are a lot of different situations. Maybe your example is I'm vaccinated, but you know, it's been a while and there are these breakthrough cases and I'm autoimmune or I'm older or whatever, whatever your reason is, I don't want to go right now because this thing is heating back up in terms of COVID-19. So you decide you're going to sell them on the secondary market because you don't want to lose them long-term. Well, you're not going to sell, a, you know, good luck making any profit for Monday night's game. But again, that's a that's a preseason game. I'm sure you're right, Gus. You're going to make money uh, or be able to sell anyway, week one, Saints-Packers. But you know as well as I do, buddy, supply and demand. Let's say the Saints have a rough season, right? They're out of playoff contention and they're playing, you know, the Dolphins on Monday night football two days after Christmas or the Panthers the day after New Year, um, it, it's not going to be that easy to sell them. And that's not like the supply. And my point is the supply and demand is there right now. The waiting list is there right now. Uh, what happens in the next era of Saints football? What happens when you have a rough stretch? Maybe we won't know for a while. Maybe the Saints surpass my expectations this year as well as yours and many others. Um, all I'm saying is consumerism, supply and demand, it's there right now. And if right. it wasn't, the situation right. might be a little different. So they're going to say the right things, and we care about our fans first and foremost, and at the end of the day, they're going to try to make every single penny that they can because that's the NFL, bottom line. Bottom line. Um, they lost money last year, man. And when we say lost money, they still made money, right? But 
Look, we're, we're trying to rationalize big billion-dollar businesses that make billions of dollars, and we're trying to rationalize, you know, what's right and what's not. You know, I, I guess at the end of the day, I look at it like this. You know, it's, I mean, you're choosing to go, and you're choosing to not go. You're choosing to purchase. You're choosing not to. I mean, it's that's what it boils down to. It's not like, you know, it's some constitutional right to have a football game or not. I mean, these are the people that are putting it on. These are rules you adhere to. You can go. You cannot go. Um, I mean, to me, it's just, I, honestly, it, it's that's how I kind of view it. I just, um, I, I, I get the, the uproar to people. I don't know. I kind of joke to you. I think yesterday, Scott, maybe that's the reason I'm seeing oodles and boodles of people walking out of certain um, stores with 75, 85-inch TVs, man, um, that uh, they plan on watching it at home this season. And, and look, I, I'll say this. Um, from a standpoint where last year, limited number of people that could actually go in. And um, I was not in that number, so I watched from home. I got to be honest with you. I'm okay with that. Um, I got to spend time with my family. I grilled, had beverages. I, uh, you know, got the pause, snapshot, screenshot, whatever things that I kind of saw and whatever and enjoy. And you know what? Um, I got to turn it on right when the game was starting. And then when the game ended, I could watch something else, and I was already home. So, um, look, man, I hear you. People want to be in there. And, I look, I'm looking for one day to actually hearing the roar of the crowd again and all of that. But, you know, to your point, man, supply and demand, um, I've been in Tiger Stadium when it was empty. I've been in the Superdome when it was empty. And I've also seen where – you can't get tickets to either of those stadiums. So it is what it is right now, dude. It's kind of one of those times where you're, you're literally dealing with something that absolutely stinks. Um, it affects every businesses. It affects schools. I mean, you have kids like I do. You know, he starts in a week and a half. And, I mean, I, I wish I could go an evening where my wife and I don't have to talk about it, you know. And it's, we stand, is he mask? Is he this? I mean, it's. Believe me, I think everybody wants this to go away. I thought that you were on your way to doing that, and then this variant hit, dude. And, you know, so I, I probably feel a certain way that's probably different from a lot of people because I want it to go away. Whatever the heck that needs to be, that's what I do. So um, I hear you. There'll be a game on Monday. We'll see who shows up or not, and, you know, that happens. But you bring up a good point. When, and if they go like the kind of season I think it's going to be, six or seven wins, um, yeah, you're gonna have a lot of people that maybe don't give up their tickets that are just gonna have to eat it, you know. But or give them away. Hey, here you go. Yeah, enjoy it. Merry Christmas to this uh, matchup between Saints and Panthers, who are already eliminated from the playoffs. Though with seven teams uh, getting into the NFC, who knows? More teams in contention late. But uh, the the points taken. Gus Cadengill, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. Um, the preseason game last week, I've covered it a ton. We don't need to go back to a week ago. I do want to talk a little bit about training camp this week and look ahead to Monday night's game against Jacksonville at the Dome. Um, let's start with Mr. Marcus Davenport, man. This guy, once again, Gus, having a great camp, had a great game last week, really standing out in practice, couple of sacks yesterday, 
doing all these amazing things. I was talking to Mike Dettelier earlier this week. He's like, oh, you know, Marcus is, you know, if he can just stay healthy. Is this guy the ultimate tease? Is it just like every year fans are getting really, really excited about it? But, man, you know, outside of a flash here or there, he just, that's what he feels like here. And I see fans doing it again. And I'm like, guys, I I, I think the talent's there, but I got to wait and see, man. It's like it's like you've got this perfect gumbo roux, but you can never get the rice right, right? And if you don't get the rice right, guess what? The gumbo's not going to be good. Maybe you have a few good bites here or there, but it is not that award-winning gumbo. If they can finally get the rice right, you're going to have a standout season that you desperately need right now. But, you know, I mean, all reports are, Gus, he's looking, he's looking outstanding right now. Well, I was going to say, that's a bit of a difference, to be honest with you. Um in terms of, quite honestly, you know, and again, I would say that I would go to training camp practice, and I said this to you last year over on the air about Trey Hendrickson. I'm like, this guy did nothing but sack the quarterback, be in the backfield, bat down passes, disrupt the ball, and then he'd be wearing a gold long sleeve shirt on game day. And I'm like, I don't understand. Did he, I mean, did he show up late to work? Like, why is he not playing, much less dressed? And when he got the opportunity last year, Scott, you saw what happened. He um, he earned himself a big old contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, I, I think when you look at it from that perspective, man, um, I haven't honestly in the past felt that way about Marcus at, at practice or even in the preseason games to an extent because, you know, what's interesting to me is if it's a player that you really want to see do well or something and it's preseason you, you kind of you're okay with it right and it doesn't matter if it's the first or second string you're like well you know these are things that translate look i i do it i mean i i've been going back and forth with people when they're going you know how can you be excited about summer league pals i'm like well some things translate i am i'm pumped up i, I already have started trey murphy the third i already have a suggestion where we can get where we go um how to start training camp pels five against the supposed starting five beat us, earn it. I mean, I, I have all kinds of things, and it's a summer league game, right? So I have a friend of mine that uh, is at the gym I go to, and he's a huge Miami Dolphins fan, and this guy is absolutely convinced they're the 85 Bears. They're a 15-win team, you know, and I'm like, well, what about Justin Fields? He lit y'all up. He's like, dude, they didn't have a first down until the end of the first half there. That was against our third string, right? But, but that's what I'm saying. So you can bring up first string, second string, third string, whatever. You said it best. Can he do this in the game? Can he translate in the game? Clearly the Saints scouted, thought it, wanted to be a certain type of player and, and to perform. I mean, they think he has the ability, strength, the size, what have you. I mean, Cam Jordan brings up that he's, you know, the shortest defensive end, you know, that they have. So there is a, a type that they want. And they're hoping that he's going to be that guy. He needs to be that guy, Scott. I mean, for, for a handful of reasons. One, um, for his own sake, too, because this is it. I mean, the team, you know, the team didn't give him a new contract. So, you know, he's essentially earning whether or not to, to do that. And, and I think first-round pick, that again, we can go back and forth to use semantics or not, but two first-round picks, right? I mean, use one that year gave up one for next year. So he's a first-round pick, and he's a player that they want to see excel and do well. But, you know, to kind of give you an idea, 
um, of maybe comparison, I mean, Scott, Peyton Turner, before, you know, he has missed training camp practices as of late because of injury, he, um, he showed up way more, you know, in, in the first two weeks of training camp than Davenport did in the first two, three years. So I am excited about Turner. I, I, I definitely do think that you can sort of see things that translate. You can see him um, getting around the block. My first practice that I saw, which is practice three, that the team had, man, you, I mean, he got around Armstead, got underneath him on his knees, just crawling in, you know, with a two-hand touch, Jameis Winston. I mean, like, you saw some things that, to me, okay, that can translate. So I'm glad there are reports that, you know, um, he's doing well. I got to see it. And, and believe me, I want to see it because, Scott, if nobody rushes from that end, the same turn deep do do. Big time. Big time. And, um, you know, I, the, the D-line has been an interesting case study in camp because you've lost a lot of D-tackles, uh, guys with, you know, good starting experience. And so it feels about as wide open as you've seen. And some folks pencil in Shy Tuttle in one week. He's at the end of the depth chart, and this week he's second on the depth chart. Yesterday he's running early. The day before it's Christian Ringo in there making plays, getting sacks, Jalen Dalton. You know, Malcolm Roach is great one day. It is I, – I still have some, you know, serious concerns about the defensive tackle position for the Saints, understandably so, uh, particularly in run defense. But who has stood out to you there, or is that kind of just in your mind at this point just – it's a hole. I mean, who's ever starting week one, it might be different week two because they're still going to be trying to figure this thing out come game one. On the defensive line? On the defensive tackle position in particular, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, look, man, I'm going to be honest. I, I know Malcolm Jenkins spoke earlier this week, and um, he did his absolute best <laughs> to, you know, say, look, he, he believes in his guys, he believes in the depth, and, you know, he – he likes some of the guys that you're seeing. I mean, whether it's Tuttle, I mean, Granderson, you know, splashed here and there. But, Scott, it, it's going to be real simple here. Um, he, he said at the very end of that same bite, he spoke for like 45 seconds specifically on, you know, the D-line and things. I think Ed Daniels was the guy that asked him from Channel 26, how big is it going to be a loss to try to replace David on Yamana? And that's what I'm getting to. Um, I, one of the reasons I've been calling this team a potential playoff team and why you just are going to have to wait is you don't have Malcolm Brown. And I know maybe a lot of Saints fans didn't think that he was, you know, that I'm telling you, the run defense the run, man. is completely yes. different. Period. Yes. Like, period. Um, you were facing in the first couple of games – some some teams are going to run the football and that are going to use that real well. Um, even if the Patriots aren't, don't look at that, I mean, and again, I know it's preseason, but again, you only have to go, you can only go by what you see. And, you know, yesterday you saw the good Cam Newton. You saw what he's capable of doing. The guy can use his legs, those different aspects of it. But, you know, if you got Saquon Barkley in the beginning, you know, Ron Rivera is going to be a physical football team. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to use that play action and run game nearly as much. So, you know, he's smart enough that if you can't stop the run, he's going he's gonna to keep feeding um, a pretty good running back who had a pretty good game last year against the Saints. 
And then when they have to over – and that's what I'm trying to get at. If you can't stop the run, all of this great reporting that's coming out um, and play by Ken Crawley, the deep safeties, you know, Adebo, that's all fine and dandy. But if you're going to have to start run blitzing, dropping a safety, um, your corner is kind of keeping an eye in the backfield because the Saints can't stop the run, um, it doesn't matter what kind of secondary you're going to have. And also, if you can't stop the run, good luck trying to rush the passer. Um, it's going to tire your guys out. It's just a lot of stuff. So I guess what I'm getting at is I, I don't I don't even look at any of those reports yet. I got to see these guys actually stop the run. And not having Enyamata for six weeks, having him might have given me some hope that at least, okay, one guy, can one guy step up in that deep tackle? You know, I like Turner. I like, um, you know, seeing Port can develop. I know Cam Jordan likely will at least be decent. So, it, with Anyamata there, I was always like, can one guy just play decent? But with no rankings, no Brown, now no Anyamata. I mean, you're you're not only looking for two starters, Scott. You're looking for depth behind it too, because you have to rotate now. Peyton talked yesterday about Ryan Nielsen, his growth, and what those guys can do on the line. I get that. Remember, Nielsen was a guy that some teams wanted, uh, uh, different coaches, remember LSU, and, and, and Peyton wanted to keep him. So, I, you know, that's probably why he was talking about him yesterday when he was asked that question. But, then I, look, I, I got to see this, these guys stop the running. If they don't, it's going to be a long, long season, man. It's going to be a long season because that defense was completely different when Malcolm Brown was in there. Now, that's trying to, um, you know, adjust to a guy that's a starter and is not in there. Maybe it's different having a couple of weeks and being ready to adjust for six games without one of those guys and being there and all of that. But, man, it, that – I can't, like, describe enough the hole that I think that that is by not having, you know, Rankins and Brown and now on Yamada. I mean, that's, I keep telling things, it's not the same roster, man, that you won all these games without Drew Brees. It's just, especially on just certain areas, it's just not. I mean, they don't even got the receiver. Some dude, Kevin White, shows up. Oh, he has gosh. zero touchdowns in his career. Literally, he has, like, a backpack. They work him out, great, here's a jersey. He catches a touchdown in practice for me and book. The other two quarterbacks threw interceptions in the end zone and red zone. So, I mean, that's, that's where you are at that position. So, you know, I mean, that's... Reality, reality checks, reality checks, ESPN 1420. We're going to take a quick timeout when we come back. You got Monday Night Football from the Dome against Jacksonville. The realistic approach, the best approach to watching a preseason game. We'll get Gus's thoughts on that. And sports betting, it's here in Louisiana. In fact, some of the first legal wagers you can make at a brick-and-mortar place should be coming pretty darn soon. Give you the details on that. We'll talk a little sports betting with Gus, how it impacts this industry. We got Megan making money from Barstool coming on after Gus later this morning. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. On Sports Radio ESPN 1420. May God have mercy on your soul. Oh, 
Open up my window again Open up my window again I can hear death calling my name I can hear death calling again I swear to God things ain't gonna change I swear to God things ain't gonna change I keep a revolver with your name I keep a revolver with your name Just in case Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Gus Kattengill with us for one more segment. Our friend in Nola at GKAT underscore one seven on Twitter, host of the Sports Hangover ESPN one hundred point three in New Orleans. Saints preseason game number two. Gus, what's the um? This is a listener submission question right here. Got an email from Derek. He says. Scott, when viewing the game Monday night, should fans view this the same way they view preseason game number three? With only three preseason games this year, what do you think the team's approach will be? More time for the starters, or should we expect backups? Good question, Derek. Gus, um, what, 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 what's the approach this year? Are some teams kind of status quo? Are they, are they doing the same thing, just just forgetting game four even happens or are they, you know, kind of looking like this is a dress rehearsal. What's what, what should we expect Monday? You know, it's interesting. I thought about that most of the off season and especially I was wondering how you were going to do that, especially when it comes to the quarterback battle. So Sean Payton was asked that um, on that Wednesday before training camp. And he said that he was planning on doing it just like he had done the three you know, the, playing the third preseason game like on any other normal year. So um, that is playing the starters a lot, primarily a half. Um, so that's what he said back on the Wednesday before training camp started. And, Scott, that's before you um, kind of issues that this team sort of had. To start a camp since he said that, Scott, I, I think you're going to be able to – I mean, you can look at it and say you're going to go one or two ways in, in that – um, you've suffered a lot of different injuries, so you want to try to be careful so you be healthy for the start of the season. Or, um, because of those injuries, they I mean, some of these guys have got to play. Um, you know, what are you talking about, whether it's the, the linemen, the wide receivers, you know, some of these players that, that need some reps. Um, but, Scott, the thing that keeps popping in my head is you may need that game to decide who's your starting quarterback still. And... And even if that's the case, um, I would probably want that starting quarterback to kind of have a half with the starters. Um, you haven't had, you know, Alvin Kamara uh, play yet. I don't know if he's going to play on Monday. You haven't had the tackles play in a game yet. So, again, my guess would be maybe that third preseason game is when that's going to happen. Um, I, I think that – Kind of a big deal to me. Um, and, and like I said, I, that still may be a situation you're trying to figure out who your starting quarterback is. I, I, I hope that that's not the case. But, I mean, for that to be the case, based off of what we've seen so far, and even still, Scott, I don't know how it's decided by then. Um, I already thought, even if Sean sort of knew and we all knew, we'd probably be joking next Friday we all knew who the starter is, and Sean's going to be like, all right, we haven't made a decision yet because right, right. it doesn't honestly behoove them to tell Green Bay. I get it. Um, and especially because it is two different styles of quarterbacks. So, yeah, I mean, Green Bay would have to kind of prep for both. So, because of that, I don't think we're going to remotely come close 
you know, Wednesday before the season starts, I think is when we're going to find out who the starting quarterback is going to be. I mean, that, that's my guess. Um, so fans just prepare for that. You're probably not going to know again, unless over the next two games, it is just so undeniably there and apparent. The problem is Scott, it hasn't been even remotely close to that in practice. I mean, they'll have a good day. And when I say good day, meaning like they don't throw an interception, then they'll have days like yesterday where they both throw interceptions in red zone drills. So, um, Look, I, everyone I have on our show, man, keeps saying that nobody is separating themselves. It has yet to separate themselves. It's apparent that no one's separated themselves. And it's just, you know, that's where they are. So um, I think receivers, I think the line, I think that quarterback battle, I think the quarterback that you choose, if you have an idea, probably needs as many snaps as possible. Look, I'm not trying to be, I told you so, and I'm not trying to kind of look at back uh, at things, you know, with a retrospective sort of look. But, Scott, you remember I, I told you on the show, just like I said on my show, and I keep going after it with people that come on my show. This is why I didn't understand why this year, this year, they didn't want to do a OTA minicamp. You know, I don't, I don't know why everybody said they were going to opt out but then, Scott, every week, even the Buccaneers had at least one mandatory minicamp, and they all worked out together. They, and other teams actually just had OTAs. You know, I, I don't understand that. You know, I mean, I've gone back and forth with people at that time. It's not that important. You know, it's, it, whatever. This team didn't even have a preseason last year. You had Drew Brees. The, you, you had, had, cut, you had, cut, you had a lot of continuity Rangers. last year, and this year you, you don't. Michael Thomas. I mean, you had you... Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, you had... You know, again, uh, yeah, you I don't even see how you can argue things. that. Yeah. No, I mean, and it, that, but that's my point, Scott. That you know, I I don't know if if, if some local reporters just are, are, are so comfortable and well, it's Sean Payton. Bill Belichick didn't make the playoffs last year. You gotta have players, man. You gotta have players. And what did and, he do? He went out and spent like 175 million dollars. Bill Belichick, Mister Frugal, Mister. Yeah, he looked at correct. the roster and was like, you know what? It ain't good enough. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Got to have the players. I mean, I, I, mean I, I don't know how else to put it. It's just it's it's not that difficult to understand when you actually think about it. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I just look at that third preseason game. I don't think you have the luxury because you didn't have an offseason where these guys got work. I mean, you know, I know you said you talked about Saturday. That interception takes some hill in time Montgomery had. First off, you try – this is a running back trying to be a receiver. So he's learning to be a receiver. You have a quarterback learning to play quarterback in the NFL. They both can't read that coverage. They messed it up. One stops. One thought he's going you know, further along in the route, what have you. They both said, though, this week that that's something that they figured out immediately. It won't happen again. They understood it. Taysom Hill yesterday said, we'll rep it. We've repped it already. It's been fixed. You know when you could have done that, Scott? OTA and minicamp. So – that, that was one instance there. The second interception on Saturday at Jameis Winston. I thought Deuce McAllister brought up a very good point on a Fox 8 uh, local sports show here that they do after their sports cast. And I, I, I thought a better, maybe more qualified receiver gets that ball and interception from Winston. And there was a difference because Winston's pick, you know, was the right read, just wasn't 
maybe a better throw could have happened. But Deuce brought up a good point. Lil Jordan Humphrey, he, he didn't run the route closer to the sideline, which would have allowed Jameis Winston more space to throw the football. He ran it closer to the numbers where the safety is coming from, so it makes it a tighter window, and Jameis has to throw it a little more difficult than he has to be. An experienced receiver would do that. An experienced receiver would run that route better. Little Jordan Humphrey is an undrafted player who made the team on special teams with a practice squad guy, got called up to block as a receiver, and only started catching passes because of need. Um, you have a all-pro kick returner that's probably your second-best receiver. The fact that Chris Hogan made that much of an impact the second he showed up at training camp so far, and that's probably why he didn't play that much, because Sean Payne knows he's probably his most experienced receiver. I know. I love Callaway. He's also an undrafted player, and he's never done it yet. I think he looks the part. I do. But that's your receiving core right now. Again, they went and got Kevin White. A guy who has zero touchdowns is the former. Oh, but he's a former first, first round. round pick, and he's I, been I terrible. Know. He has been terrible. He, he, he couldn't be. He couldn't. He wasn't on a team last year. Oh, and the year before, he caught yeah. one pass. Zero TDs, man. Like I said, I I get everybody's you know excitement on that, but no, man, no, like no, I, I'm not. Real. When the Saints are signing Kevin okay. White, it is not excitement. It is desperation. Look. That's how I view it. And, and, and Scott, and, and that's the thing. And, again, everybody loves to bag on Jerry. He led the team in touchdown receptions. That's gone. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. You don't have Michael Thomas to start the season. I mean, I, that's why you should have had OTAs. That's why you should have had minicamp to get reps, to get that out the way. Well, you didn't. So, realistically, the first few games of the year – will be trial by fire. They're going to learn. You have to understand that as a Saints fan. If they go into the bye week two and three, I mean, that is a good start because I've gotten phone calls. The Panthers think they had five interceptions yesterday in their joint practice against the Ravens. Go read up Joe Person, uh, Chris McClain, their sports talk show host, people that come on our show. J.C. Horn has like 10 interceptions this camp. I'm not calling them the 85 Bears, but there is clearly an emphasis in that secondary of intercepting the ball or talent, too. I mean, I don't care if that's backyard football, you and me tossing it out in front of the studio, Scott. Five interceptions in a joint practice off of Lamar Jackson and company, that's not bad. Um, so that's not going to be an easy game. Uh, Sam Darnold stinks. Great. Is Christian McCaffrey still on the team? Because he's not bad either. And again, didn't I mention Malcolm Brown and all those guys gone? And yeah, but the, okay, I get it. But who's following Christian McCaffrey? Who's going to stop him? And if Darnold can do anything, that I mean, it's going to be a game. You better show up. You got Saquon Barkley coming. Um, Washington's a good football team, guys. I, I it's going to be a tough start for this team in learning. That's why I told you when the schedule came out, and I've been saying it, Buffalo. I'll have a better understanding, and that's Thanksgiving. I know that's, that's far, but you'll have a better understanding. Anya Mott will be back. Michael Thomas will be back. Your starting quarterback will have pretty much half a season under his belt. You'll see what receivers can Towards the end of the year, if the Saints can be two, three games at that point from a wild card spot, I think that's an amazing accomplishment. I, I just think realistically that's the way you need to look at the season. If they enter that Thursday game where 
they win three of the next five, four of the next six, or something of that nature, and they can get in, that's fantastic. That's what their football team is, folks. That That is where their talent is. And, um, you know, we'll see. ESPN fourteen twenty. Translation: um, Play a lot of guys in the preseason. You're not in that position of, you don't have to play Camara, right? You, there's one or two, you know, Framchek or Armstead's a little nicked up, maybe a little, but you want them to have some reps if they need it, with guys that are going to play. All eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks. The debate is going to continue Monday night. It's going to continue. Can I throw Friday. one quick thing in? Yeah, throw it in. I didn't even mention running back. <laughs> I mean, how awful did they look? You got Camara. One fumble after the other. Now, look, I think, look, Latavius Murray's good. I mean, we've got a – not great, but he's good. But Devontae Freeman at this point, I mean, he couldn't couldn't make another roster. Um, You know, folks are excited about a guy at the end of the depth chart at running back for the Saints. What's new? It's the preseason. And, uh, you know, know, good for him. You know, how about we talk about the Mets or the Cup? Never mind. Stop it. They're not doing any well. Stop it. Let let me ask you this real quick. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, talk next week. <laughs> ESPN fourteen twenty. God Almighty, the Mets. Um, real quick, um, I, I want to close with a quick betting question. But before we do, Pelicans, um, you've got uh, Josh Hart's contract. Kind of feels like an open relationship. Yeah. No, like that's. I mean, on one hand, I'm like, oh, awesome. I like Josh Hart. I, I think he's good for the culture. I know, I know. You got Najee Marshall and everything, but. Uh, then you then you read about the details of the contract, and it's kind of like, okay, Perfect. this yeah. is um, – but taking fandom out of it, because I do like Josh Hart, look, the Pelicans, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's been this perfect ideal offseason because David Griffin wanted to do some things and he wasn't able to do them. Uh, but they do have two all-stars. They do have a lot of future picks. They do have a young roster. They do have a lot of cap space. So it's not great. It's also not as dire as – uh, many are making it out to be and, and picking on the Pels and all this other stuff. Um, and, you know, you got 90 games total that Zion's played. So now I'm just going on a rant. Now I'm just talking about the Pelican situation. Let me let me get back to my point here. You and I tend to ramble, especially me. Um, Josh Hart, that contract, were you surprised when you learned about the actual details of how it's, it's a three-year deal, but it's kind of not really a three-year deal? Yeah, three one-year deals, I think, is the best way it's been described to me. Um Look, I like it better than when I saw three years, thirty-eight million. Um, essentially, this this year is guaranteed. The next two aren't, so it makes sense. It's also a very trade-friendly contract, Scott, and I think that's something that you have to point out. It's very trade-friendly. So, you know, if you're looking to move him or somebody would like a veteran piece in the trading part around February, um, they're not taking in a ton. You know what I'm saying? So, somebody that. So I think it makes sense. It is another one of those Willie Green type guys. And I say Willie Green type guys because of what I saw in those five games of um, summer league, how in 10 days he was able to connect with a certain group of guys and get them to play hard. Yes, you can give me, well, they're playing for a paycheck and all that, but you still have to convince them to do that. And as Andrew Lopez of ESPN told me on the show yesterday, and then you have the guys that don't have to play hard. They know they're on the team, yet he got them to play hard. So, that's their style. I, I love hearing them say, we have a championship mentality, you win at everything. Um, no matter what the game is, if they're keeping score, what's the point if you're not trying to win? So I love that Najee Marshall, at the end of that game, game five, and the first words out of his mouth to the 
uh, reporter doing the interview was, look at the scoreboard. We won by 30. I mean, like, he wanted to just smoke that team. I just, I love that whole mentality. So Josh Hart was a guy that did play hard. Um, you know, I, mean, I always use the pun, he's the heart of the team. And, and he really was a lot of times last nice. year because you had a bunch of people who didn't give a hoot. Um, you heard me reference it earlier. I, I legitimately would start that first practice, you know, sort of uh, in that, that competitive mode, man, of, um, you know, before we start an install, before we get the, you know, what, what are my principles? Real simple. We're all here to hoop. Put 10 minutes on the clock. Put 20 on the clock. I want the starting five for the summer league. The supposed starting five for the Pels, which is Valanchunas, B.I., Zion, I guess getting Naw at the two, and then um, Devontae Graham, go play. And, he's, and go have a seat and watch. You know, make the starters earn it. Show them that this is the kind of basketball that you want to play. Defense-minded, team-minded, pass-oriented. Again, I know with Summer League, they had a play where you had three incredible highlights all back-to-back off the steel, Scott. I know you know what I'm talking about. It, it was incredible watching that. And, you know, some of those, a good part of those guys are going to be on your team, like Kyra like Trey Murphy, like Herbert Jones, you know, like D and also like Najee. So when you have all of that, it, um, it helps set a tone and it, they're playing the way that Josh Hart played. So I don't know the minutes. I don't know whose minutes he's getting. I, I was surprised by the signing because I think Najee Marshall is that type of player and a better player, I think. Better shooter, got more size, younger and cheaper. Um, so I'm a bit surprised. I think it's maybe one of those things to kind of maybe help establish the locker room, kind of maybe help, um, you know, establish and help at camp, be one of those veteran presence. That, that was, that, that's what I read in that, that signing. I don't know how much he's going to play, Scott, because I, I actually think Najee and other guys can do what he does. I think this is a Sean Payton brought back Roman Harper type move a couple of years talking about too. you know, be that sound voice, be that guy that's a professional because there's an awful lot of views, and I don't mind it. To be honest with you, I'm kind of glad David Griffin struck out on a couple of things, man, because I was not on board with spending millions of dollars on guys that were supposedly to come in to help my culture. Your culture needs to be Zion and B.I. stepping up. And um, at least we saw Zion's alive, and we did see him, you know, post a video at Duke, you know. Don't get me started on that. Or, you know. Getting in girls' Instagram DMs. ESPN fourteen twenty. Final question, Gus. Louisiana's uh, first legal wagers coming soon at brick and mortar casinos. I know folks can get it other places. You know, you download the DraftKings app, put in code fourteen twenty. You can get a chance to win millions. Uh, sports betting in this state. In a few words, as we wrap up the segment. How is this a game changer for sports fans in Louisiana? I, I think people have always wanted it. I didn't think it's going to be like anything else. Um, you're going to have an audience for it. You're going to have a group of people that are going to enjoy it and want to do that. Um, I don't think it's any different, Scott, than from this perspective. I know there's money attached to it, but you know, there's people that are some diehard fantasy football players or some people like me that enjoy it, makes the game fun on Sunday. I probably am going to forget to start my lineup once or twice a season. And then you're going to have people like Todd Graffanini, voice of the Pelicans, who 
despises and detests mm-hmm. fantasy football. So you're going to have people that are going to do it. You're going to have people that are going to try it and see if it works. And it's all the time. Um, you know, I, I look at it sort of like the people that go to the casino. I mean, there's people that drive to Mississippi to go to the Beau Rivage. You know, mm-hmm. those things. They're, you know, those people that that's their Saturday night, they enjoy the slots machine. I, I know friends that love to play poker, love to, you know, to have cards. They love card night. I, I honestly could never see myself spending three hours playing cards, smoking cigars, and drinking beer. I'll do the others minus the cards. I, so I think if you're that type of person that, um, you know, enjoys that excitement uh, of gambling and what that aspect sort of is, I, I think it's going to hit. I, look, I, I, I look at it like this. It's real simple, Scott, for me. Is it, is it a way for the state to make some extra cash that is so deprived in because business-wise and the way the mind works in this state is unbelievable by our lawmakers. So I don't know what else they got really going on. Tourism is tourism. You got to have other things. But, um, you know, all I keep hearing is there's no money for schools. There's no money for this. There's no money for that. And you're going to get something. I don't know how much it's going to be. It's projected to be this. It could be that or it may be that. But even if it's the bottom line, it's more money than the state is getting. And it's it's up to, to people to want to use it or not. So it's not being forced on you. State can get some tax money on that. And for people that I think enjoy that kind of atmosphere, you can go do it now. You don't have to go somewhere else. You can do it on your map. Keep it in state. Do it at brick and mortar stores. Keep the money right here. That's Gus Cattingale, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, my friend, and a man who's been up for many hours already because of a dog and a young kid. And um, he won't get a nap today. But guess what? It's Friday. Positive vibes Mm -hmm. only, right, my friend? Indeed. All right. You're the best, brother. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. (laughs) That is Gus Cagill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent.